This is Orion CKB. Welcome to Up Your Roas. This is a story I have to share with you all. Speaking of helping businesses grow, one of the things that we're highlighting on the blog post today that you actually wrote, so uh, cheers to that, which uh, if you haven't checked out, Eisman's written a number of analytical pieces on our blog, and you should absolutely go look at them, read them over. What sparked specifically the idea for this data analysis that you did? So we had a meeting about a month ago with a client who was concerned that the amount of spend we were pushing towards their retargeting programs was too much and that they were saturating their audiences. Uh, at this point, about 50% of our spend is on retargeting, so showing ads to customers who had been to the site before uh, but hadn't necessarily purchased. 50% of your spend of all of the clients or this specific client? 50% uh, of this client's spend okay. uh, was on those programs. So in certain times, like if they were having a sale or it was around Black Friday, it might make sense to be more aggressive. But the client's concern was that there was a, a point where we would be spending too much uh, on retargeting and we would see a dip in performance. So he wanted to know what that optimal level of spend was given his audience size. So given that we have data on from a number of clients in multiple verticals, I thought it would be interesting to amass all that data into one and then figure out where, if we saw any trends across clients, if there were any clients where you know they didn't see the specific behavior that others had seen and try to figure out why. Now how does the audience saturation here maybe differ from the creative fatigue we talked in our first podcast? So the, the idea behind it is, is kind of the same in that you don't want to keep pushing the same ad to the same audience because eventually they're going to all have seen the ad and either interacted with it or not and then you're just spending money to show the same ad to the same audience. In this case, we are looking at the number of times a user saw an ad within a given time frame, as opposed to how the individual ads are treated by Facebook themselves. So one is looking at the audience and their interaction, and one is looking at uh, Facebook itself. Okay, so audience saturation is more you know, the nitty gritty of exactly what's happening and why. Exactly. And when you're talking about you know, managing the frequency on Facebook ads. Why is uh, managing frequency for Facebook ads, why is that more impactful than say display ads? Right, because one of the big things about Facebook is that the impressions are very viewable. In order to see an ad, you have to physically scroll through your feed to see each individual ad. Whereas in display, you know, for the most part, the impressions, they are on your screen, but you might not consciously register that you saw that ad. Uh, because there might be four or five or even more banner ads on a single page. And then, you know, the amount of attention you pay to each one uh, could vary greatly or you could not see it at all. And you mentioned this in your, you know, in when you talked about what sparked the idea to run this data analysis. Um, but what considerations do you have to make about audience saturation when you're looking at an acquisition campaign um, versus a retargeting campaign? So the biggest difference between a retargeting campaign versus an acquisition is that you know your audience size in retargeting, um, and generally it's going to be a lot smaller. For an acquisition campaign, you're never going to hit every single user in the audience because if you, let's say you're targeting all females 25 to 34, it costs a lot of money to hit every single one of them. Whereas if you had 500,000 people come to your page in the last month, there is a reasonably sized budget that could hit every single user in that audience. So you're not going to hit, uh, you're, 
likelihood of saturating an audience on prospecting is going to take a lot longer. It's going to be a lot harder. Right. That's more a little bit like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks kind of thing. So, you know, you mentioned women 18 to 24. How many people would you say that it would be if you were doing a prospecting campaign? If it was just the U.S., women ages 18 to 24, I mean, how many people would you say that that, at least the potential reach would be? Yeah, it would be hard to get an exact estimate, but given that there are 200 million users in the U.S. on Facebook, figure, I don't know, somewhere 5 to 10 million, something like that, which is going to be a lot bigger than any retargeting audience you have. Right. So there's 200 million Facebook users just in the U.S.? And there's only about, what, 330 million people in the U.S. at all, so... And that includes children under the age of 13 or whatever the age limit is for Facebook, so... Right, so... What's that statistic? That's like... Like two-thirds? 66, 70%? That's pretty legit, pretty for at least reach. When you ran this analysis, did you break it down between, you know, the types of clients, the types of verticals? How did you break it down? Yeah, so trying to keep this this data high level, we broke all of our clients down into two buckets. One is e-commerce and one is lead generation. So if at the end of the funnel they are spending money, that's e-commerce. And if they're just signing up for more information, it would be lead generation. So uh, lead gen would be schools or uh, requests for information, something like that. Whereas e-commerce would be subscriptions or... Everything uh, else, pretty retail. much. Yeah, everything else. <laughs> And then, so when you broke down the results, what were the results you saw with the e-commerce clients? Yeah, so our hypothesis going into it, again, going back to the reason why we ran this analysis was that we were worried at some point there would be a tipping point where retargeting frequency, if if retargeting frequency got over a certain point, that performance would diminish and that after that point, we'd be wasting money because it'd be unprofitable or, you know, those dollars could be better, better spent elsewhere. What we found for e-commerce, with one minor exception, was that our CPAs dropped as the frequency increased. So we were looking at the number of impressions each user had per month by client, and we saw the lowest cost per purchase at the highest frequencies. So the more times that users had seen the ad, uh, the lower the CPA was. Now, anytime a user made a purchase, they would drop out of the retargeting pool. So the higher frequency customers, if you made a purchase after two impressions, you are not included in the data after that. Okay. So that means that you made the purchase, you actually clicked through and made the purchase on the sixth impression, on the 10th impression, whatever it may be. So again, this was, this was surprising as we thought that there would be some sort of saturation. But what we realized after the fact is that going back to budgets where you're not hitting every single user in your retargeting pool unless you have extraordinarily high budgets. So as users drop out of your retargeting pool, they're replaced with others. So you can continue to spend on them until they hit that point where they make a purchase. What did you see in terms of click-through rates? Yeah, so click-through rates also uh, click-through rates also fell as the frequency increased, just because the users, kind of going back to the creator fatigue where they had already seen the ad before. Once they'd seen the ad a number of times, they would be less engaged with the content. But again, ultimately what, what we measure to as a direct response agency is CPAs and profitability for our clients. So even though the click-through rate dropped, as long as the CPA, as long as we continue to see the CPA drop, you know, we, we consider that a win. 
I found it interesting that the CPA decreased as the frequency increased uh, because I would have thought that you know as the click-through rates decreased as the frequency increased the CPAs would go up because you know you'd be maybe more aggressively trying to go after people or trying to up that click-through rate so I thought maybe the CPA would increase you know you'd have to spend more to get uh, more clicks what do you think sort of explains why the CPA kept falling I think that one thing to, to remember is that this is over the course of a month. So even 10 impressions in a month is one impression every three days. So if you're someone who had looked at a pair of shoes on day one, you know, you're still thinking about it. Let's say it's an expensive pair of shoes. You're still thinking about it uh, 20 days later. And now maybe you've gotten enough reminders to the point where, or enough convincing value props, sales, whatever it may be, that that will convince you not to make that purchase. Or you get paid yeah. once a month and you get paid. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you have the money to get it. Yep. So, and, and, and again, going back to the point where users fall out of the retargeting pool when they make a purchase or they click, they don't want to see the ad anymore. You know, you can click that on Facebook that you'll be removed from seeing that ad. And then that budget will shift towards other people who haven't seen the ad before. And then, you know, the frequency can start on. Now, we've talked about e-commerce. What were the results you saw when it came to lead generation clients? Yeah, so for the most part, we saw similar behavior on lead generation. However, after about nine impressions per month, we saw a spike in CPA and a pretty significant one. So we saw it starting at uh, one impression, the CPA was rather high, and then continued to fall as impressions increased until we hit that nine level, and then it, it jumped back up. So honestly, there's more of a conclusion to reach on the lead generation side. And that that point, that saturation point we were looking for is probably around nine for lead gen. Although it varied by clients, it was as low as four and as high as 12 in the ones we looked at. But there was that jump in every single lead gen client we ran. What do you think it is about the nine impression threshold that caused the CPAs to increase? Or is there even an answer to that? Is it just sort of that just happens to be the tipping point? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the clients we run are expensive services or schools or things like that with a long decision process. And I think that at that point, you know, there's that point where you're just not gonna sign up for the service or sign up for information for whatever reason. You know, I don't think there's a, a, a great answer for that or I haven't at least thought of it, but luckily working in online marketing and working with all this data, we don't really need to know necessarily why. The why, um, yeah. As long as we know what it is and what it is by client so we can control for it. Do you think that there will ever be a time that we'll kind of know the why? Or will that be sort of like the Matrix slash, what was that Tom Cruise movie where he they knew he was gonna minority report? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with a lot of questions like this in online marketing, whether you're getting to attribution or anything like that, there's that kind of outstanding question of, of why something is happening or what drives behavior. I mean, no one necessarily has a great answer right now, but I think, you know, we might get to that answer sometime at some point. But. Not this week. No, no not, for <laughs> the, not for this podcast. All right, dang it. <laughs> maybe maybe down the road, maybe in the second season of the podcast. Now, what did you see when it came to the uh, click-through rates in terms of lead generation? Yeah, so click-through rates actually increase. Uh, really? Uh, lead generation, which is different than the e-commerce, obviously. You know, again, don't really have a great reason why I would say as people are more familiar with, you know, honestly, like any reason I gave for e-commerce, why, why it increased, I would expect to see the same thing for lead gen, or why the click-through rate decrease on e-commerce, I would expect to see the same thing on lead gen, but truthfully, we didn't see it. It might be that more people are signing up, more people are 
clicking through. I don't really know. Maybe they had time, if it's a more expensive product, they had time to check with their spouse, make sure that was okay. Yeah, longer decision cycle. Yeah. And they were able to to consider it more. Is that something that you've seen that uh, the lead generation tends to have? um, Sorry, my voice got high there. Is that something you've seen that lead generation tends to have a longer decision cycle than e-commerce? Is that common knowledge that I just didn't know? So it it depends on the client. So we have some lead generation clients where they're not required to pay anything or they're not ever going to pay anything if they're signing up for a newsletter or just submitting their information for sweepstakes or something like that. The consideration cycle is literally seconds. And, you know, if if they don't convert within those first few minutes, they're pretty much never going to convert. Whereas if you have an online college where, you know, they're going to be investing hundred thousand dollars or more you know obviously that that cycle takes a lot a lot longer so it really depends on the client and everything in between and it's the same thing honestly with e-commerce too where if you're buying a two dollar pair of socks it's gonna you know you might make that decision right away right and if you're looking at a thousand dollar suit you know you might take some time to budget with your loved ones and figure out what <laughs> makes sense you know shop around a little bit or you know anything else that goes into that process looking at the information as a whole was there anything top level that you kind of noticed or would you say it was definitely more vertical specific yeah so i mean first and foremost i think monitoring your frequency on a regular basis whether it's bi-weekly monthly quarterly is incredibly important because for all of our lead gen clients and for one of our e-commerce clients there was that tipping point where you know we were spending money inefficiently so knowing where that point is first and foremost is is something that I, uh, you know, we will definitely be keeping an eye on. Um, for e-commerce clients, given that for the most part, there wasn't that drop-off, once you determine that there isn't that drop-off, assuming you have a limited budget for retargeting, whether it's $5,000, $100,000, a million, whatever it is, making sure you're spending that on the highest intent audiences and really trying to increase the frequency there. So what we do for a lot of clients is building audiences around users that have been to pages on the site that express some some more intent than users who just hit the homepage and leave. So whether that's someone who has added a product to the cart, someone who has visited the FAQ page, or more research-related pages who have been deeper into the site and clearly showed uh, a greater interest. If you can increase the frequency on those users, you're gonna see the best performance. And again, those are gonna be smaller audiences, but if you're working with a limited budget, that's where really where you should be focusing your budget rather than hitting all users in your pool or trying to hit all users in your pool once, you should focus on the more intentful ones. So are you saying that I can calculate frequency, like if I was running a campaign, say my dog Tallulah has her own line of, you know, puppy clothes, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to calculate the frequency of other, you know, high intent uh, users that also wanted her chic puppy clothes, is that something that I can easily do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There is a step-by-step process on the blog post uh, related with this awesome. this, uh, this podcast. But basically, the you know frequency is calculated as the number of impressions in a given time frame uh, divided by the reach or the number of unique users that saw your ad. Both of those metrics are available within Ads Manager on Facebook, so you should be able to easily export that. And then the, the nitty-gritty of how to how to put that into Excel and and make that data come out uh, is again on the blog post. So assuming Tallulah's chic dog clothes obviously have maybe a $50,000 budget, I wish. But, you know, is that something that I could easily calculate even out of a $50,000 budget? Or do you need, you know, $100,000, $200,000 budgets to calculate these kinds of numbers? 
Yeah, uh, no, you can definitely do it with a smaller budget. It's just a matter of figuring out what you know kind of frequency you want to target and you know adjusting your bids and budgets to make sure that you are hitting that frequency. Now that if we're looking at you know retargeting, is there a way to calculate for me what would be a good potential amount to spend out of that you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar budget to focus just on retargeting? Yeah, absolutely. So again, there's a formula on the, the blog post where you can plug in the CPM you've seen, your audience size, so whether that's the all users or those more high intent audiences, and then your optimal frequency, and then you can come out with the you know the optimal spend for that audience. And then what we do is we start with our highest intent audiences, figure out what the spend should be there, and keep at layering on each audience we want to target until we hit our budget. That's awesome. There are the full... I can't even talk. Blah, 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 blah. Like I been said, the but the. <laughs> no, talking. It's tough. Talking is so tough, and I'm supposed to be the content person. Like Eisman said, all of the numbers and calculations and formulas are on the blog post, and they're actually fairly easy, even for somebody like me who does what I call shopping math, which is basically like what percentage can I get off and how much will that final price be? <laughs> so, you know, if you wanna really get into the nitty gritty of this and you really wanna try to plug in your own numbers, you should absolutely check out the blog post. And looking at this overall, you know, were you able to go back to that client and say, actually, here's the tipping point, here's what we found. You know, you mentioned it was e-commerce, so there wasn't quite a tipping point. How, how did you approach going back to that client and presenting this information? Yeah, so using their, their data for all of 2016, we segmented out by different, so they, they run a couple sales throughout the year, uh, and segmenting out performance during a sale time and versus not a sale time, and showing that, get, you know, getting back to their original question of you know, where that tipping point was, and showing them that there indeed wasn't a tipping point. They do have a limited budget, and just showing them that no matter what the frequency was, we were able to spend that money efficiently, and that you know there's even room to grow more, and that we should put into place the segmenting audiences like we just described. So that's been in put in place now, and, and we're now enjoying the fruits of that. Fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like you know once you're able to kind of either show that it's spending efficiently or not is kind of the golden rule of doing a direct response advertising. I feel like you want to do it efficiently. Um, and you want to make sure that the money is being spent exactly, you know, where it's going to give you the biggest, everybody wants the best, biggest and best return on, on their uh, ad spend. Um, so going through everything that we've talked about, are there sort of three or four takeaways, you know, that if you're going to give me a top level, you know, what are the four things or three things I should get out of uh, what we've talked about today? Yeah, so number one, I would say is, Keep an eye, if you're running retargeting, keep an eye on the frequency and, and performance at the different frequency levels. That's first and foremost because, again, you know, for about half of our clients or you know, one half of the, the verticals we looked at, um, there was a tipping point. So we wanted to make sure that, that, that where that tipping point is, we stay below that. Number two is uh, focusing your, your retargeting on high intent audiences. So again, whether that's people who have visited certain pages, have added a product to the cart, have been to your site multiple times within the last month, anything like that that you can you can target, it's just gonna improve your retargeting results, especially on a unlimited budget. Um, Did you say on a limited budget or unlimited? On a limited budget. Okay. 
going back and recapping them, which you just said, it sounded like they were almost two in one in that first one. So keep an eye on your frequency performance. And once you know what that frequency is, um, that maybe where that tipping point is, you then try to stay below it. And then number two was focusing uh, your targeting on high intent audiences, which seems to be a common theme across all these podcasts is know your audience. You know, the audience seems to sort of be the key to the most efficient uh, ad spend is knowing your audience, knowing um, also where your high intent and then focusing on them. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you actually, you missed a client call for this y'all. So it's a big deal that he uh, took time away. He's in high demand, but uh, thank you again, uh, Eisman, for helping us and walking us through all of these equations and how people can actually calculate the frequency and potential spends for themselves. Um, and do you have any, do you have a sign off that you want to give or? Uh, no, this was, this was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you. No problem. <laughs> Shout out to your baby girl. Yeah. Hey Hazel, how you doing? There you go. Well, we'll be sure to uh, pass that along, that shout out, and we thank you for your time. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you.